0: Hello, welcome to Who To Be A Terrier. Stephen Chicken, joined as usual by David Hartrick. Dave, who's your favourite Beatle?
1: Well, having just watched eight and a half hours of them uh, preparing to record a record and then recording it and then playing a concert on a rooftop, I would genuinely say I've got a mild fascination with George Harrison at this point.
0: There you go. That was Nikki's answer as well, my wife. So, um, yeah, I think uh, he's he's the maverick of the group. Paul McCartney, you can see why YP- people... Anyway, we could talk about this all day. Let's talk about what it's in town instead.
1: Well... Hang on a sec before we get on to the stuff the stuff that's not as important as favourite Beatles. I will say, having watched that, Paul McCartney, um t- the man just bleeds handsome. Yeah. Absolutely Those delicious eyelashes.
0: at that point in his life. Those oh, eyelashes, oh are Yeah. Anyway, football. Yeah, let's get back. Um so Huddersfield Town drew at Barnsley, one all at the weekend. Um, they had sort of, I, w- I wouldn't say they promised a response to the Middlesbrough game, but they had, you know, talked a good game about wanting to deliver a response. I don't think the performance was quite there. And I think in the conditions, I mean, I said to you last week, Dave, I don't really care about the performance against Barnsley. As long as they get the points, they can concentrate on the performance against Coventry. Um, and I think the conditions you said to me an hour before kickoff, this is a, this makes it a lottery. You know, the, the, fact that the the rain is absolutely torrenting down does make it a bit of a lottery so I think even more sort of forgiveness maybe goes to the performance there but they ended up with a draw so they got neither the performance nor the three points uh, not the best at the office maybe not their worst either no I didn't think it was
1: great I think there's a lot of things we've got to talk about in terms of throwing another lead away etc and I actually thought the first 20-25 minutes I thought they were actually pretty good um, mm. they were getting on the front foot they were, they were coping the conditions they were moving the ball well the press was as high as I've seen them play uh, all season um, which I was really pleased with that sort of level of bravery in an away game but then it, it's I wouldn't say that. The wheels came off, but they just sort of slowly almost reverted to tight, I think. And, uh, yeah, I think you can forgive a lot in those conditions because anybody who's there will know how bad it was people who weren't it, it, was torrential rain for about two, two and a half hours before kickoff. Then they kicked off in sort of mild rain that got fairly heavy. Then just after halftime, it was basically torrential again. And then it stopped for the last probably half an hour or so, but the, the pitch held up really, Really you well. Did. Yeah, really, really well. We were both sitting there beforehand saying this would be an absolute mess second half and it was it was excellent. Kudos to the Barnsley groundsmen. <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll have to send it on to them. Um yeah, I mean it was it was a strange game, I thought. That they, they the the line for a start sort of set the tone for it was quite a strange uh selection that, that Carlos Corbran made. Um he, he could have and I'm writing a piece in the middle of writing a piece as we come onto the podcast here, but um he could have stood even with the absences. As he had. Dwayne Holmes was away waiting for, at hospital, waiting for the birth of his first child and Danel Sinani was ill uh, and Matty Pearson was on the bench. He'd picked up that back injury against Middlesbrough. But even with those absences, if Carlos had wanted to, he could have played 3-4-3. Three, three. He could have put Naby Sarr into, into the defence, maybe moved Tom Lees across the right um, and stuck with Danny Ward up, up top and, and you know, you've, you've basically you've got your 3-4-3 your three, three going there. Instead, he played what I think we, we sort of we spent a while trying to work out what was. I think we can probably best summarise it on the ball as a four two three one with Danny Ward as a number ten uh behind Fraser Campbell. Um and yeah, it had mixed results. I think it allowed Lewis Bryan to get up the left a lot more because he was playing in sort of effectively a midfield three and he knew that he had someone nominally central uh in Danny Ward, sort of in between him and Scott High. But um yeah, it was it was an interesting lineup. What what did you make of the, the selection and the the Practical change first of all, Dave. I thought it was incredibly complicated. It was, uh, it was a 4 3 3 on paper
1: that played more like a 4 2 3 1. That off the ball was more like a 4 5 1. Or 5 4 1. They moved. Say. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere between the two, really. And then, second half, they looked like at one point they went back to a sort of 3 4 3 anyway. Um, and it just, I don't know, it, it felt a little bit confused. There were one or two players who I think we were watching and they felt like they were caught between two stalls a little bit. Mm. Danny Ward was swaying. Too deep a couple of times, and then there was just nobody through the centre up top. There was nobody getting close to the striker Fraser Campbell had uh, twelve touches, I think it was, in his fifty-five minutes. Meepo only had four because um, there just there was nobody anywhere near him. There was the the out ball was wide, and there was nobody central, and it, it felt it felt a little bit like they were trying to do a couple of different things, mm. and I can sort of understand the I can understand going to a four to try and get more from Toffalo in. Particular going down that side with the Toffolo O'Brien Coroma link up so I can get that. But it came off as really complicated to me in a way that. Uh it probably didn't need to be Um, but again you know I thought they were really good that first sort of 20 minutes to half an hour I thought it worked and it's just frustrating because if they could have seen it out to half time I think they'd probably win that game 2-0 and it's a very different podcast and it's a very different feeling and they sort of build on that first half and you don't need to sort of change it back second half and move it round and all this sort of thing so it's just unfortunately the whole goal the whole game is dominated by Barnsley goal really because it, it, it would have been so different but it's worth talking about Towns goal because I thought it was good
0: it is yeah I'm just sort of bringing it up on the highlights now and you know we, we've sort of we've criticised Lewis O'Brien for as much as we uh, sort of gushed over him uh, for the most part we have criticised him for sort of his lack of, of goals and assists uh, this season and, and to be honest since he's broken into the first team but he was I mean he was phenomenal uh, against Barnsley I thought that, that was his best performance this season uh, and it was a a really well-worked goal that, that he timed his run perfectly. Uh, There's an interception made in the middle. Danny Ward plays it. Left to Campbell. Campbell onto Karoma. A lovely back heel from Karoma to O'Brien and his, uh, his finish is, is perfect. It was a really, really good touch by Karoma and we, we'll talk a bit more about him later. Um, but a really good finish by Lewis O'Brien and I think this is sort of the, the positive that you would point to is that they were able to put together two or three of these these kinds of flowing moves, particularly going up that left side Right this is the one that sort of that paid off. But, you know, we're talking about two or three, which isn't a lot, but it's two or three more than they've had in a lot of games recently.
1: Yeah, my slight frustration with it was they broke through the centre and got the goal and then a couple of minutes later they broke through the centre and Josh Garoma was one-on-one with the keeper but he had just been forced a little bit wide and the keeper stood up and made a decent save. And then they didn't try it again for the rest yeah. of the game. That's, that is so Huddersfield town. It's untrue. You know, you've got a thing that is working and that is hurting them and you just don't try again um but I thought it was it was an underrated finish as well because like I say you can't you sort of had to be there to understand how fast that pitch was playing um and I thought Lewis his composure was excellent and I thought it was a really good finish going across the keeper there and if you put it into the side netting like that it's very very difficult for the keeper to get to get there um so I thought it was a slightly underrated finish really it, it one of them that looked routine well, there was a bit more to it than that
0: yeah yeah I think that's fair it was it was one of the better goals down scored this season I think that and you know <laughs> Karoma sort of uh I was very frustrated with Karoma later on in the game but that back heel is 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 excellent from him you have to say and you know that that is although later on he looked a little bit more like a, a player who was sort of short on confidence that that was a bit of a moment of class and the kind of thing that you know we've talked about this team being risk averse and I think we'll probably have that criticism of them again as we get more and more into this game but that is the kind of sort of verve that uh that we do want to see from this sound side you know that little bit of, of trying something special at the right moment
1: yeah
0: you need your big players to come up big and Lewis O'Brien did in that
1: in that moment that was the thing and I would also say that genuinely it was everything that I think town deserved, but the problem was I just felt I felt like the goal was almost the trigger point for them to start going backwards really, and the next time they were alright, Roma had those two chances where he hit the keeper and hit the bar but then after that it was, they just retreated too far, they started doing some of the reverting to some of the patterns that they know don't work um, and some of the forward passing stops. and they invited Barnsley onto them a bit, and the goal they then conceived before half-time is is you can dig out individuals all you want for that goal but it was a collective failure for me because nobody was really alert to it they've got three chances to clear it definitively they don't take there's loads of barnesley players in space you know when you look Mm. at it there's nobody actually getting tight or going man to man and it's a hopeful ball that just catches (laughs) basically like two lines of four completely square and it's just really disappointing because, like I say, that it's, it felt like a needless goal to concede, really, because it just needed like two percent more concentration from everyone, and they don't score that goal. It really, it, well, it annoyed me. I'll be honest, it annoyed me. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think when you look at it, I agree with you. It's a collective thing. I think it is. It's Danny Ward's man who scores it eventually, um, and we sort of we were looking at that gap between when we saw it originally, and we got the replay. We were looking at that massive gap um, that. Morris gets into between Turton and and Thomas, and we're saying why is that massive gap there? It's because Thomas is sort of is staying on the uh, the I think it's the left wing back uh, is there for Barnsley sort of just out of shot when the ball goes over, and he's sort of trying to keep an eye on him. The player who's sort of come off his man is Danny Ward, who should be on Morris after that that set piece, uh, and he just sort of wanders off him, and and you know is is caught literally just standing there uh, as the ball comes over the top, having gone sort of five yards away from his man, so. I think that's disappointing, but it is. We've seen, and I'll I'll be doing a bit about this for the site. I think, but it, it has become a bit of a pattern uh, from Town over the past few games. I think it's happened sort of three times in the last sort of five games, where um, or it's certainly twice in the last three where they've not picked up those those runs into the box, that handover of marking from just outside the box to just inside the box. And this has been a sort of a very defensively solid side for much of the season, but that is starting to become a bit of an issue you know Lewis O'Brien talked about it after QPR saying look it's a zonal system um, there are going to you know we are going to concede some of these kinds of goals um, but that the, you know the, getting at the idea that the net effect is going to be that they concede less but the ones they do concede might be like this but I think there's been just a few too many of them recently and it is something they, they probably need to look at yeah
1: I think uh, the other thing is I think if you play a three man defence you have to play that way and I know they switched to a four here but you can't if you're training a certain way and if you, you're training in a certain pattern you can't sort of just immediately switch to try something else so I get it but yeah it was I, I agree with Lewis O'Brien really you are you are going to concede goals that way but you I keep coming back to it Steve you have to outscore your opponents yeah you? yeah exactly it's, it's very The bottom line is, I know we're talking about specifics, and I I know this is sort of a a helicopter point, but the bottom line is that you rarely win a championship away game scoring one goal. Yeah. And the the fact that Town couldn't go on and get the second, and the fact that they're in this run now, I don't think they've scored more than one since, trying to think, Hull? Was it the Hull game at home? Yeah,
0: I think that's right, yeah.
1: You know, we're back in, there is a pattern here that we're sort of back in that we thought they'd shaken off. We thought earlier in the season things were sort of definitively improving well I still think (laughs) did we (laughs) well I I did I'll be honest I did I did and but now we're sort of back at the the problem where whatever you say about the defence however you analyse the midfield if you want to say like I don't know uh, well you can you can make whatever argument you want it still comes back to the same thing they're still not scoring enough goals and this has been the problem they went up with a negative goal difference they didn't score enough in the Premier League they only got 22 in the second season first season in the champ, they were. I think they'd have been third bottom for goals scored. And then last year they got two less than they got the season before. This is it's it's the Huddersfield Town problem. You know, it's it's it is the thing that has to be sorted if Town are serious about becoming longer term becoming a top 30 club in the country. But short term, just having a sort of upper mid table
0: season. It's it's the thing they've got to sort. Yeah, there's I mean there's only Millwall in the rest of the top half that scored less goals than Town or fewer goals. Um, <laughs> Yeah I mean they've scored the same number as Cardiff who are 21st you know and mm. you know I know it's not as simple as that because you know Cardiff have also uh, conceded 13 more than down so you know it's uh you know they've got you know uh Mourinho's blanket or was it Benitez's blanket pulled the wrong way whereas Towns is a bit more even but you know that they yeah the, the the set pieces have been a sticking plaster over that all season I think we we've sort of acknowledged that for a long time and when you sort of I think we said this last week but when you take the the upturn in XG you would have from those set pieces the improvement in the set pieces out of out of the equation towns xg this season has actually gone backwards from where it was last year um which is which is a, a big concern um and i thought there were one or two glimpses in this game of them at least trying to sort of put moves together where you know they were trying to do the little little one twos playing around the corners getting Toffler more involved in particular but as you say after the break that that really became more and more desperate and the number of times you know the 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 big bugbear of mine when it comes to Towns attack is the number of times over the past few games where they've managed to get themselves into a situation where they've got a three on two against Against the defense on the break, or a four on three, or you know even a three on three, and they've just not been able to exploit it. You know they've they've just they've been way too tentative, they've been way too cautious, and they've just not made the most of those those opportunities where they where they outnumber the opponents. And uh, it's I, I I struggle to sort of find an explanation for why that's the case. I, there's also I think.
1: There's no element of there's no element of chaos at any point. And the thing is that chaos is a legitimate way to score goals. And what I mean by that is it overloads basically, bodies in the box. And I'm not talking about going direct so I'm not talking about abandoning a passing style and just lumping it in the box I'm just talking about you know genuinely doing the Liverpool thing which is not just pressing high and pressing quickly but it's about if you watch every time the ball comes into the box it's two to three men every single time in the box there it's it's about to be honest with you it's about ruffling defenders and upsetting them and not letting them be comfortable and too often defences are very very comfortable playing against town after sort of fifty. 15, 20 minutes when they see the patterns. And it is difficult to explain because I think the other thing we have to acknowledge is this this has been the way now through four managers. (laughs) It's it's not just a Corbyn problem, it's it's something in the water down at the John Smith Stadium, I think, because it, it really is if town are going to improve, this is the point of improvement. This is this is the the big the single big issue. And I, don't, I just don't know how they do it. They don't get the ball to the strikers enough. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a big, big problem. Because I couldn't tell you if Towns' striking options are good enough, Steve. I, I genuinely yeah. couldn't. Because I've never seen them be given a consistent level of chances to, to show they're either really bad at the job or really good at the job. So I, I genuinely can't tell you. And I just think that I think it's time they've got to seriously address this now. And they've got to. I think they've got to ask themselves: Do we need to do something different? I use the expression "ask different questions" all the time, but I genuinely think that is part of it. They've got to start asking different questions up front of defenders because they know the patterns and they they know what's coming. And analysts know what what's coming as well, Steve. That's that's the thing. Um, it's it's an issue. It's a big issue.
0: Yeah, I mean, I. I've been back and forth on whether I've been especially fair to Josh Cromer because I did single him out in my match report and we you know you and I you, you put together the, the play ratings but I, I think I was the one pushing for you to, to sort of bump his rating down um, to to a four which in light of the fact he had the assist which we've praised and hit the bar just before half time seems like an odd mark and you know Leon from the Yorkshire Post said afterwards he, Leon Wobshaw said he thought that was a, a ridiculously harsh mark so I've been sort of back and forth on it but I think he just sort of summed up that inability to it's decision making is the thing and it's not just him Mm -hmm. you know I think he sort of I think he sort of most embodied it against Barnsley because there were so many times where Town got those opportunities on the break and you you were watching from the stands and it's like right well you've got the pass on there take it or you've got the shot on there take it Mm -hmm. one or the other and if when the pass was on he would take a shot and when the shot was on he would take an extra touch and then take the shot and it would be blocked it's like Mm -hmm. I, I, I think the the issue with him is with Coroma, it seems to me, it looks like it's a confidence issue more than anything else. And Carlos Goldbrand's pretty much yeah. confirmed that. And I think where I feel like maybe we're being a bit harsh is I think that you, you he's earned enough credit that you just need to stick by him and help him get through this phase because I think that hitting the bar, you know, just before half time was just before the bounds of goal. That is the big sliding mo- sliding doors moment in this game. Yeah, if that goes in, yeah I agree. If that goes in then, then town win that game easily, I think. But I also think it's a big sliding doors moment for Josh Gromer because I think if that, that goal goes in, he comes out for the second half and maybe gets a second or a third. Uh, well, he'd have to get the second mm. and then the third. But uh, yeah, I think... Um, <sighs> I think he just needs a goal, as you put in the conclusions. He just needs one to go in off his bob, and then he'll be mm. he'll be he'll be flying. And it, it does feel that way at the moment. But it just feels like we're. <sighs> this is what he was doing at the start of last season before he got that goal against Swansea. I remember I wrote criticism saying he's taking way too many shots, and a lot of them are getting blocked. Not many of them are getting are even testing the keeper, let alone going in. And then after he scored against Swansea, he was still taking lots of shots, but a lot more of them were going at the keeper and, and going in the net, which suggests. Mm. He was, you know, making better decisions. He had the confidence to take better decisions. I think one of my big criticisms against Blancy was, as I say, is he didn't take some of those shots early enough. Uh, I think there are a couple Mm. where if he had taken them a little bit earlier or or taken a touch and then the shot rather than three touches and then the shot, he might have had an opportunity and I think that we've said all this about Chrome and we've sort of singled him out but I think there's several players in that squad who you can say that about I think uh, there's one where saw but Thomas where Lewis O'Brien played a beautiful crossfield ball for Thomas and he gets into the box and again he's so desperate to sort of prove himself because he's sort of come into quite a lot of fire recently um, and I think you know his dip we said last week he's maybe playing at the level you'd expect of him but I think he's in truth he's probably fallen a bit below that and that continued here but he gets into that position after the Lewis's cross and you know he's got three men in the box including Karoma who's completely unmarked but he takes a shot and puts it wide um, and that kind of poor decision making and that kind of desperation I think is endemic to this side now. I think there's five or six players that were doing it yeah
1: I don't I, I don't disagree with that at all I think they I took a little bit of stick for the Coroma mark but I, I stand by it because if a like the way we do the player ratings or or the way you do the player ratings is that like a five is sort of done you've done your job isn't it five you've is not done anything yeah we had a we had, is, we had
0: is average we had a directive from our bosses this year that, that five is should be regarded as average six is slightly above average four is slightly below average so like four isn't yeah. a terrible mark like me Maybe last season we would have said forwards like quite bad, but I think this year it's like just below average. Yeah.
1: And I think he was just below average because just because you have the ball a lot and you have a lot of shots, that doesn't make you a massive attacking threat. If every shot is to be frank, seven of his nine shots were dealt with, with a sort of minimum of trouble really. So and I think you're right. I think it is endemic with a few people in the squad. And I come back to a point I've made before that is Carlos Corban likes his his team to create a couple of sort of certain types of chance instead of lots of chances. And I'm sort of at the point where I look and I think it's probably time to take the handbrake off a little bit. It's, it's probably time to just try and create lots of chances to get a body up there to support the central striker at the very least. I mean, like the the thing that's slightly frustrating is we've seen that that works. Lewis O'Brien in the Blackburn game mm-hmm. playing much closer and provably closer because we had the heat maps and you could see he was he was essentially playing as close as a number 10 would to, to Danny Ward and getting somebody close to them it put pressure on that back line Town scored three Ward scored two and it was for me it was like the most enjoyable game of the season I think uh, in terms of watching Town in an attacking sense even more so than the Reading game yeah yes, yeah. I agree I thought Reading I thought Reading were really poor on that day whereas I thought Town actually outplayed that Blackburn defence I thought they were actually better than them so I, I just the problem is we, we both said it on Saturday it's it's you're running out of ways to say the same things because they're, they're the same problems and it's like sooner or later you have to you have to address them particularly when you've got the defence sorted you know Town, mm. Town will survive this season just by virtue of having better players in that in that defensive unit and that defensive unit it playing better. That that will be enough for town to survive this season, believe me. But it's it's the next step. It's getting into that that mid-table comfort. It's having me and you having a completely drama-free April and May to write about. That that is the sort of next step. And I just you worry about town actually being able to do that and not just being pulled down into lower mid-table a little bit where they're just slightly looking over their shoulders because they're not score- they're not getting enough points out of games like these. I don't know, I don't
0: know. What what I would say, and again, this is sort of the thrust of the piece I'm writing, um, at the moment is to be fair I think you know you talk about needing different angles of approach and you talk about needing to take the handbrake off I think as much as it didn't work I think the thinking behind that selection was along those lines to be honest I think that's why I know Dwayne Holmes was away because he was you know for personal reasons but um, I think he probably would have picked Caroma anyway uh, I think that he said that Matty Pearson regardless of his injury and whether he was going to be fit or not they'd planned since early in the week to play the back four I think that suggests to me that Carlos is looking to change things. I think he's realised probably a bit sooner this year than he would have done last season where we criticised him for trying the same thing again and again without, you know, without the results to sort of back up that decision or the performances to back up this decision. I think he's been a little bit more reactive this time around because I think you can say well, the 3-4-3 probably you could say, looking back stopped working maybe after that Millwall game, um, you know, because they they had the better of the Cardiff game, should have won that. They had the better of the game should have won that but then you know they, they created enough in those games to suggest okay well maybe if we just tighten up at, at the back we can keep getting more out of the three four three. I think the West Brom result bears that out I think for a, at least an hour against Queen's Park Rangers they were giving them a game and when, you know, at least the equal of a decent side and then it was the last half hour that sort of killed him. So you can understand him sticking with it this far, but I think the Middlesbrough game is is where he's gone, okay, this is these poor performances are more of a pattern than than, than sort of one-offs at this point we need to change it round. and to be fair as I say I think in a vacuum on paper the sticking with the three-four-three three actually makes more sense against Barnsley because they the personnel that were missing actually it makes more sense for him to to have you know put Sar in keep Ward up top um and not play Fraser Campbell but instead he, he tries to get someone closer to the striker like you're talking about like that like O'Brien against Blackburn by putting Ward in as a number 10. He's trying to get those moves going uh, up the left and we've criticised Harry Toffler. We talked about that at great length last week. So he's moved him into a position that he's more comfortable in. He'd taken the defensive responsibilities off Sorber Thomas a little bit, although not really because as we talked about, it was the the one But he was you know nominally the right winger in, in the you know in this lineup, which gives him a little bit less defensive responsibility because he knows he's got Ollie Turton behind him, um, which is different to playing as a wing back. So I think he has sort of made changes to try and address a lot of the criticisms we've had, but it didn't work. Um, is the thing maybe when mm. you've got different personnel, you know maybe if Dwayne Holmes can play as that number ten or or probably even better than El um when when either or both of them are back available and, and I think Holmes obviously should hopefully be back for the next game. Perhaps that changes things but I wonder if I do wonder to what extent we can sort of read into that selection against Barnsley as okay we do need to try something different let's try something different. I
1: think we'll find out on Saturday. Yeah. Because I think if, if you're going to do that regardless of the opposition and I know commentary are flying high but they are beatable it's mm-hmm. not like playing Bournemouth or Fulham Um I think you have to if that's your intention you have to stick with it. I think like it, it was it was a lottery on Saturday okay so for all the criticism the conditions were a massive factor a huge factor on Saturday there's no getting away from that so if if what you're saying is right, and I think I, I think I probably agree with you, if I'm honest, I think I probably agree with you, you then have to commit to that for the next few games because you can't just sort of try it in one game and then just revert back yeah. to something else and say, well we, well, we tried that and it didn't work because you haven't really. And I would say, as I said, for about an hour of that game, it was decided on who was getting to grips with the conditions better than more than patterns and various other things. So... Yeah, we'll see really because the, like town being town, they've just sort of, they've heaped more pressure on themselves mm. really because that commentary game now feels really big mm. because they, they started November and they were fine. They then concede that late goal at Peterborough, they concede the late goal at Cardiff, they put in the performance of the season against West Brom, which was You know, I still maintain really Corbyn wants all the credit for that Mm -hmm. because he broke that game down so well and he got the key decisions right. But then they're very tired and lose late at QPR. Then they put in the Middlesbrough performance, which was, I think, the the worst performance of the season. And then they go to Barnsley, which is one of the sort of winnable away games, you ring in red, really, and they just, they, they end up disappointing again. And I know it's a point, and I think a point in context is not necessarily a bad thing in an away game in a championship, but it's a point that feels like a defeat is the issue. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, because it's another lead lost, and they can't keep doing that, can they, Steve?
0: No, they can't. And, and as I say, I think that the- having to put Danny Ward in as number 10, I can't imagine for a second that was part of the plan and we know that they lost Sonani on the Friday and Holmes I presume was a last minute thing as well as, as these things are mm. so you know I think that was a last minute change of plans but yeah I one thing I would sort of another sort of note I would ring there is we sat here last week and said we didn't particularly put a lot of the blame on Corbrand for the performance against Middlesbrough as it felt like a lot of individuals uh, rather than the manager and we gave, we're giving Corbran all the uh, credit for the West Brom game but I think it, we shouldn't give people the wrong impression that we are sitting here saying Carlos Corbrand is blameless for Cuddersfield Town's problems. I think sort of the, the the biggest beef I would have if you want to call it beef, chicken beef is <laughs> is that, you know, he came with the the promise and maybe these promises were made for him rather than by him but the promise of exciting attacking football and I think at no point of his reign have we actually seen um, a sort of a competent attack put together as we've talked about you know it's it remains the Huddersfield town problem is as, as you quite rightly put it and you know it's that is sort of the and we were you know this was our criticism a few weeks ago not just now and I think the fact that he's nearly 18 months into his reign and we're still yet to find a solution to that problem doesn't speak especially highly of of the job that he was brought in to do uh to be perfectly honest yeah i we're 18 months in now so we can't not Talk about
1: these things. It's it's. I I, I've spoke this season on this podcast, and I've put into print that I think Corbran has learned a lot this season. You can you can see it in. He is more proactive, I think, in games. But he also makes a lot of. I don't know. I don't know if mistakes is the right word because mistakes seem to suggest that we know a better way, and I'm not. We don't know a better way, but he still making some of the same decisions that seem to lead to the same things um, and expecting different results and I don't just think it's a personnel thing a lot of people make the argument of well the squad still needs work etc etc like a squad always needs work Man City squad needs work, they need a striker, Liverpool squad needs work because they've got a lot of players who are the wrong side of their peak Man United have signed Cristiano Ronaldo and they still don't have a decent central midfielder every squad in the country needs work and there is a point where you've got to go where well, it's surely it's about working with what we've got then and i think you're right i think we we are looking at this now and the the promises that were made and i think you quite rightly say not necessarily by carlos corgrand but the promises that were made they they aren't being fulfilled at the moment and it's it's difficult to see how that changes overnight. Like, do we think Jordan Rhodes is the answer? Is is that going to be the thing that changes it? I mean, I, and I'm not. Some people think I'm being sarcastic. there. I'm not. I'm being legitimate. Is it is it just having a more clinical finisher? So you're only going to create very few chances. But is having a much more clinical finisher there the, the missing part of the puzzle? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of. We've analysed this so much, Stephen. Talked about this so much. I really have sort of gone round in circles
0: Mm. with it Mm. Agreed yeah I mean I still think that that a goal scoring midfielder or an attacking midfielder makes a big difference in that side perhaps you know if if they are looking at playing a number 10 perhaps we'll see Danel Sinani playing his more natural role because I think you and I would both agree that that from what we've seen of him he's very very streaky and I think his sort of bad streaks are probably going to be twice as long as his good streaks by by the current evidence but I think you and I would probably be of a mind that playing as a pure number 10 would probably be the best use of him so you know maybe this Mm. One is something that he looked at with Sonati in mind, and then, or Holmes, and then having lost them both, was, you know, forced to sort of stick Ward in there. I don't know, um, rather than rip up the whole plan that he'd been working on all week. So. I don't know. And this is the other thing. And again, this is why it's sort of hard to sort of come to any conclusions is for all we're sort of sitting here moaning and this is sort of the second or third week in a row where we've been a bit doom and gloom, Mm -hmm. they're still in the top half. And I think if you'd said to us um, at the beginning of August, right, Town will be 11 uh, on the 6th of December, will you take that? We'd be like, absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll absolutely Mm -hmm. take that. You know, just a few points off the playoffs. That, That we'd have taken that. So... I think it's I think it's really hard to sort of get a level of where town should be, whether they have overachieved so far this season and Corbrand deserves massive credit for that, or whether they have you know, whether they actually slightly have slightly stagnate, Yeah, whether they have a good squad that are capable of pushing for the playoffs and, and he's holding them back and I mm-hmm. think I think you could easily make an argument in either direction. I think he's sort of, and I understand why he's done this but I think he's made a rod for his own back in a way because he keeps talking about how much he trusts the squad and trusts these players and um, and all of that and how he thinks they've got a special opportunity this season in which case it's like, well maybe mid-table isn't great but then you look at what the bookies odds said and what we were saying and what our expectations were and you think actually they're doing all right and i think as a result of that i mean there's do you have anything to say on that before we talk about the 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 booze after the game first i just it's difficult because we we like we're not immune to
1: what fans think and we there's some things we are sort of willing to put into print and to say on here we have to remain analytical but we have opinions about things and like town are so difficult this season for a neutral to watch and work out where they are because like comment so the perception is coventry are having a brilliant season coventry are doing really really well if town beat Coventry on saturday they're within two points of them Mm. so like you've got one team who are perceived to having a absolutely brilliant season the other team who is is sort of slightly in nowhere no man's land who could be within two points of them and two points can turn around very very quickly it's it, it's an odd season and I think it's not like I know it's a point we've made before and it's a difficult thing to quantify but I think it town aren't helped this season in a funny sort of way by the fact that I don't think it is a good league mm. I think you have a couple of standout teams I think you have a couple of standout teams at the bottom as well who are plainly not as good as everyone else and then you do have a clutch of sort of 15 16 teams who are
0: very much a I
1: much much yeah and the opportunity is there for someone that's that's the thing this season because like beyond beyond Bournemouth and Fulham I haven't watched town play anyone this season and sat there and thought oh they were absolutely excellent they were brilliant I, I really haven't and the West Brom game, Town win that game, and I think they could play the same way at the Hawthorns and win that game again potentially. Because mm. I, I, I don't think they're anywhere close to Bournemouth and Fulham, no. if I'm brutally As honest. As their recent the, results would suggest. Yeah, and you—that's that's where the frustration comes from because a lot of fans are looking around and saying, "If we just had a little bit more, we could actually have a proper playoff mm-hmm. challenge." And they might very, not very get that chance again. Disagree. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the problem, and it's it's difficult to disagree with that when you've got Blackburn who have very patchy side but who score lots of goals who are up there you've got Coventry who are up there and have got a proper goal scoring number nine in Goykeresh it's these little things that you can look at at each of the teams that are up there and say oh that's what's making the difference that's what's making the difference so then when you relate that back to Huddersfield town it's very easy for fans and for other people to say if they only had a Mm -hmm. you know goal scoring midfielder or a top class number nine or a you know whatever it is so I, I I can't I kind, of, I kind of get the, I kind of get a lot of the the weird sentiment we get because we were talking off there before we we sort of came on and started recording this about how at the moment we are getting on our pieces and on our Twitter and in reaction to the pod we're getting the full range of views at the moment from. I couldn't disagree with you more said in a slightly less polite way than that to I couldn't agree with you more and it it, it really does sort of show that yeah it's difficult it's a difficult thing to analyse Huddersfield Town at the moment.
0: I think sort of the best thing to sum this up is the the fact that the players were booed at the final whistle on Barnsley because I've had two people go out of their way two town fans message me to say I can't believe they got booed after that performance we've got no god given right to beat Barnsley it was a draw they didn't lose like their 11th in the table what what are they booing for and but at the same time I understand why people would boo not for that game in isolation but uh because of the fact that they had had that terrible performance against Middlesbrough and then sort of had sort of the promise or expectation that they would deliver a response and then they didn't get that response against Barnsley I think those boos were sort of an accumulation of the two games um uh, uh, But I also think it's sort of indicative of, as you say, there seems to be quite a fractured fan base at the moment and very fractured in views and expectations and the direction the club's going on. I think it's... probably not helped by the uncertainty uh, at board level at the moment around Phil Hodgkinson. I think that also, in some ways, it creates uncertainty, which is sort of gives makes it difficult for fans to rally behind something and rally behind the cause because the direction of the club is, is a bit unclear at the moment as a, as a result of that uncertainty. But it also means that because Phil Hodgkinson is out of the picture at the moment, the obvious scapegoat that the fans have had for the last two years has gone. Um, or, you know, still at the club, but effectively out of the picture. So it's then. Well, who do we, who do we then direct our anger at? If not Phil Hodgkinson, the kind of people that you know, the fans that were sort of blaming Hodgkinson for everything, whether it was his fault or not, now have to find another target. And I think they're sort they're turning it onto Corbrad and the players. But I think the other big thing is they had they were in this kind of position last year and when they went on a when they started on that bad run of form as they're on at the moment the bad run of form didn't end <laughs> and i think that the fans are now naturally and understandably quite a bit more impatient this season that the results have turned and they're not getting behind the team going okay if we get behind them we're going to get you know they're going to get winning again don't worry it's just a blip they're going oh well that's the good part of the season over then it's going to be nothing but rubbish from here so we might as well get the booze in now and let them know how we feel before it escalates further or Deescalate. What's the op- deescalate? What's the opposite of escalate? Anyway, elevate.
1: <laughs> um, anyway, I, I, my personal take on it is that that, like, ascends. I don't. <laughs> Um, my as a lot of people know I keep an eye on Brighton's results from time to time um, and we booed at the end of the Leeds draw mm. and there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of talk of it that it was towards Graham Potter etc and it wasn't it was a sort of cumulative thing of seeing the same issue it wasn't you know Potter you've got to sort it out it's more that the club hasn't signed the striker they needed in 2019 to be brutally honest so it was the sort of of discontent that was a few people and it was almost like okay we've got that off our chest we can all move on now because ever since it's been completely unified you know there's been nothing of the sort and if anything fans have been going the other way to, to you know show this isn't about potter or the players that are on the pitch it's it's a bigger thing I think there's an element of that with town getting booed off on Saturday that it's, it is this cumulative issue of not scoring enough, not creating enough chances, not to be honest with you, it's it, it, boring is the wrong word because I think football is subjective and you can always find something to enjoy in a football game that i've enjoyed many many nil nils that other people have said have been dull as ditch water because you you find something but there is no denying that there's not an awful lot of adrenaline in town at the moment when Mm -hmm. they're on the pitch it's not roller coasters and fireworks and it's all about control and control possession and trying to dominate possession etc and a lot of that isn't isn't sexy particularly and I think some of the fans, it's a little bit of a reaction that they just want to come and. Uh, you, you, the problem is, they really enjoyed the West Brom game. They love the Blackburn game. They love the Reading game. So you almost, it's almost worse because you know it. Yeah. They are capable of it. They can do it. it. It's, and I think it's just a little bit of a reaction to that as well. Um, so I, I, <laughs> I understand it but I can't condone it because I'm not sure that was the performance and the result to, to do it after. If I'm, if I'm really honest with you, because you know, you've got to you've got to think about context and a point at Barnsley in those torrential rain conditions etc is not the worst result in the world really so I sort of I wasn't surprised by it though Steve for you yeah. did it take you, take no, you back? No
0: well slightly like after Fraser Campbell went off they sang him off the pitch they gave him the one of yeah. our own as he went to the tunnel so in that regard yeah because I'd seen that response and I thought oh that's I'd, I'd thought earlier in the game oh they've not turned on him that's good to see um, and you know they've have done the Danny Ward song, even when they've, you know, not been, you know, when there's been a lot of criticism of Danny Ward, they have got behind him. So uh, I was a little bit surprised in that respect. But again, I also, I understand it purely because of what happened last season. I think if it weren't for what happened last season, I would be sort of sitting here mystified saying, you know, give your head a shake. But I think I kind of get it after last year and particularly sort of the context. I know that sort of every team just sort of deserves respect and so on, but Barnsley have been so miserably bad this year. Um, yeah. I think that that's also a, a part of it but yeah I, I I agree that probably on balance not deserved on the day but I get why it happened to be honest it's understandable yeah. yeah 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 but as I say I think it's I think you're right I think there does need to be a bit of adrenaline and this is not me sort of coming up with an original point this is me sort of repeating back to you a point you've made to me but it does feel a bit like they need the fans need something unified that they can rally behind and I think that you know f- for whatever sort of of however sort of in the balance we sort of feel about Carlos Golbrand on the pitch, I think he's not the most charismatic man in the world. Um I think he's he's uh he's quite a standoffish personality. So I think that in that respect he's not gonna get although he's been making the effort, um such as the the Q and A and going to meet the disabled supporters just and things like that. I still think he's he's just not that big personality that the fans are ever going to sort of like rally behind. And I think I think they need st- a bit of a bit of that to be honest. Um I think they need even if it doesn't come from the manager or come from you know I think they just need a united cause to rally behind and I think obviously getting back into the playoff positions would do that. If they went on a good run of form between now and Christmas then I think that everyone's happy again. You know if they're top 6 on Boxing Day or at the turn of the new year then I think that does suddenly turn into a bit of momentum and everyone's behind it again and and everyone's looking forward to to January. But at the moment it just feels a little bit a little bit fractured a little bit disunified and it just feels like, as you say, there's no adrenaline. It feels like the air's sort of been let out the season a bit and and that is sort of bleeding onto the pitch and it's sort of, it's becoming a bit of a circular thing. Yeah,
1: but they can put it right. It's not a, I don't think this is a terminal decline necessarily for, for the manager or for this season or anything like that. They can put it right, but it's time to do it. They've got another two weeks where they've got a full week to prepare Mm -hmm. for a game. Three weeks. So yeah, yeah, three weeks in effect with, with Christmas. So really there's no excuse left and commentary, a good side, really good side. And they score goals, but they're beatable. They're not, you know, it's not Brazil, 1970. I mean, to the john smiths they are a beatable side bristol are very beatable even at their place if you that you know defensively they're not great you can get at them and then you've got blackball on boxing day and again <laughs> if you're serious you you have to you have to win your home games or you have to go out and win all your home games so they've got a chance to put it right but they've got to do it quickly yeah. because it, it's i wouldn't say we're at the point where this is a slide because a slide for me is where you've you've gone two months uh, you know two full months and you are uh, you're in a terrible runner form at the moment they had a bad november but they put the performance of the season in and we're now in early december they need to put it right quickly it's it's not a blip it's longer than a blip i don't know what's between a blip and a slide but that's where we are. Mm.
0: I think, yeah, this is the thing, like, no one can see the future and it. This could well be a slide, you know. We're only, I think we're probably only one, two, three games off calling it a slide, let's be honest, Hmm. because, you know, they've gone from sort of fifth, sixth down to eleventh already and with the way the league table is, if they don't win at least one of the next two, they're going to be in the bottom half in all likelihood. So I think at that point you do have to call it a bit of a slide, but (laughs) we're maybe, we're maybe sort of on the cusp of a slide, but it could also just be you know it could be a could turn out to be a ski slope you know a ski jump um you know it was but it was interesting when i looked at at sort of 2016-17 they had a similar thing Um, they had a really bad November and then they drew at Blackburn or against Blackburn, I can't remember whether it was home or away, uh, which sort of looked like a continuation of that bad run. But then that actually turned into, I think they won all of the next four. They won like all but two of the next 12 games or something like that. And I'm not saying that Town are going to do that now, but I mean, I'm sure that at that point in sort of early December, late November, 2016, a lot of fans are saying, oh, well, we've had our run in the playoffs. That's that's that. We're going to drop down the table now and quite the opposite happened. It, it can happen. It might be unlikely, but you don't know what's around the corner. So yeah, it's it's hard to say at this point.
1: Yeah, local journal spots omen that says town are definitely
0: getting <laughs> promoted. Then fair enough. I have basically uh, no already <laughs> issue with that. I have basically already run that angle, to be honest. But um, yeah, this is the thing. Like I wrote this before the Bunsley game, and that was one of the examples I gave. But they've, they've got this is the thing. they they they've got three trajectories they can follow now. Uh, and I think the, the Barnsley game didn't really give a definitive answer as to which one they're going to follow because they could either do a 2016-17 and shoot back up from here. This is the low and they're going to be up from here. It could be like more like 2019-20 where they were pretty steady throughout the season, uh, had little mini ups and downs, but once they sort of got out of the relegation zone, their position basically just didn't change. They, they just sort of stayed as they were throughout the rest of the season. Uh, and it could be that Town do that again. They just sort of stay picking up four points every three games and they end up just finishing mid-table or they could do what they did last year. And, and drop off considerably and end up having a, an absolutely miserable season once again. And this is the thing, it's hard for you or me to sit here even as sort of neutrals and say ah well, the numbers suggest it's you know, the underlying numbers suggest that they're doing fine and they're on an uptick or the underlying numbers suggest they're doing dreadful and they're on a downturn. You know, we look at the, the XG, the expected goals against, the expected goal difference, we look at the player stats and it's all very inconclusive at this stage, which probably points towards mm. the, the, the the, fact, the idea that they're going to stay somewhere in the middle. But, but who knows? We, well, they, we can't say are, with any certainty. And that's the issue.
1: They're 11th of 24 teams and they've scored 24 goals and they've conceded 24 goals. So it suggests they're a very average side at the moment. Yeah. And we don't know if that's... <laughs> Worryingly, if that's an overperformance, or if that's we hope it's a slight underperformance, and they're going to kick on from there, that's that's the thing. That's why it's so difficult to analyse. Or it
0: could just be a performance, and, and, and this is yeah. where they are. Yeah, this is this is what they are. Yep.
1: Yeah, we're we're just. I mean, it's it's absolutely no help from an analytical point of view,
0: but we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, it's. I feel like we've we've raised more questions than than we've had answers today. But I think again, I think that sort of indicates where where they are are this season and, and just I don't know I, I, I can understand why the fans are sort of grasping around to, to find any kind of meaning um, and why you know I think I think they've lashed out in some strange directions recently um, but I think there's also been a lot of valid criticism and I don't know it it just feels like everyone's sort of sat in limbo waiting to see what, what comes next and those who are sort of, of of a more pessimistic bent are getting their shots in early so they can say ah see well we, we told you
1: yeah yeah, there is definitely something of if you always say everything is rubbish, then you can always be proved right from one angle or another, can't you? Even when it's not, that's that's the thing. I think there is an element of that, but there are legitimate concerns. Yeah. I think at the moment, and there are they're legitimate questions that need answering. And I I do think that you have to 18 months into a manager's reign, I think you do. It is right to legitimately ask some questions of the manager when you have patterns of problems that are, are still there. So I do, I come back to the same thing though they have ultimately got a chance to put this right mm-hmm. immediately. You know, if 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 the very best way to put this right is to win your home games, and their next game is a home game, and it is a winnable game. I know people will look at the table and think commentary are flying and they've no chance, etc. But it is a winnable game. They're not they're not brilliant, but they do score goals. So town have got to be prepared to score two goals to win a home game. That's that's the reality. Yeah,
0: yeah. We'll see what happens from here i guess i mean coventry's their form recently has been quite poor they've they've drawn a lot of games they've dropped out the playoffs so i think this is probably the best best time of the season to play coventry but i think they'd probably say the same about town so um, yeah we, we'll have to see and it is of course in front of the sky cameras uh by the time you hear this you... oh i hate an early kickoff <laughs> i hate early kickoff why do you hate they're early
1: because they're, they're, they're always weird games they're always they're always. They're just odd. I just don't like early kickoffs. Every game should be three o'clock
0: on a Saturday. Um, yeah. But by the time you hear this, you'll probably know the FA Cup draw. We're recording this Monday afternoon. Um, so yeah, just just insert your own. Imagine ha- imagine us reacting to that. I'm, there you I'm go. very
1: pleased that has happened, or oh, very sorry for you. Yes, I
0: think it's good that they've got a big six side. I think it's bad that they've got a big six side. I think. just Oh no, not Stoke away again. Ah uh, no, not home. To. Millwall I mean how many clubs have we got to do this with yeah. let's be honest <laughs> right Dave thanks for joining us right we're getting closer to Christmas and Ockley Book's have got people sorted if they're looking for a gift for a football mad loved one uh, we have there's loads of stuff on there there's loads of stuff on offer buy books they are good in my opinion yeah and I've given the big shill to uh, to the Welcome Centre donations last couple of weeks thank you to those of us who, those of you who have donated since last week we've had a uh, slightly better response to last week so if you are in a position to make a donation to a much needed food bank that lots of people will be relying on uh, not just this Christmas but beyond but you know especially this Christmas when money is tied Head over to HuddersfieldTattoo.com and you can make a donation to the Welcome Centre. And we will see you next time on o To Be A Terrier.
1: Goodbye! Goodbye! <laughs>